honestly, like when I get onto something and I'm focused, like I will work from nine or 10 in the morning until six or seven in the morning and go and lay down for an hour and then get up and have a coffee and keep working like weeks on end of like, you know, 15, 18 hour days just to make it happen. Welcome to the Blister Podcast, a program dedicated to interesting people, the great outdoors, and a bunch of other stuff we like. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check us out online at blisterreview.com. Our last podcast was part one of my conversation with Eric Hjorlifsen, so if you haven't already listened to it, you should go do that now. Here in part two, I get Eric's take on the state of the ski industry, some of the positive and less positive trends he's seeing these days, and then we move on to talking about product design and, in particular, the boot project that Hoji's been working on for several years now. Before we get to part two, I wanted to quickly remind you about our 1718 Blister Winter Buyer's Guide. This will be the third year that we are offering a print edition and digital edition of the guide, and on the last podcast, I said that we were confident that this would once again be the most accurate and most useful buyer's guide in existence. And since I said that, dozens of you have emailed me some product descriptions from a couple of the other buyer's guides that are just now hitting the market, and let's just say that we are now even more confident that you will find our buyer's guide to be far more accurate and useful than what is currently hitting stores. As in past years, we will be producing a limited number of print editions of the Buyer's Guide, so to ensure that you get yours, sign up to become a Blister member on the site today, and you will be guaranteed a copy. And by becoming a Blister member, you will also be able to take advantage of a number of great exclusive deals for Blister members, and any one of those deals more than pays for the price of the Blister membership. For more details on this, just click Become a Blister Member on the navigation bar on the website, and you can sign up from there. And now, let's get to the second part of my conversation with Eric Hjorlifsen. Let's talk about kind of the state of skiing today, and maybe to start, I don't know, just you've you've come up in this world, you've skied your entire life, you've been in the industry for a long time now. Um, what are you seeing that is particularly interesting or exciting to you? Oh, this is a good one. (laughs) Um, I mean, yeah, I, I guess I feel incredibly fortunate to have been exposed to skiing at a young age and had parents that got me into it and were passionate about it and passionate about, you know, allowing me to, express myself or saw that I had some potential in supporting that and putting me in some racing and, you know, not, they were only supportive when I was like, I'm going to go and do this. And, you know, like, it's a kind of a crazy thing to just step out of high school and, and not have a, an actual like plan uh, that fits into our, our society. Um, and they were super supportive and just like the evolution for me from being a, a junior Grom chasing my dad around, he was the best skier in the world in my eyes and like making all these goals to keep up to him and then getting into racing and, and putting some time into that, really developing the technical skills 
uh, to like being at that perfect age, you know, young teenager age when the sport of skiing just got that injection of, of like something new and exciting, the new Canadian air force and twin tips and jumping. And suddenly we're, we're poaching in the, the snowboard park at our local ski area, trying three sixties on our one ninety five GS skis. And, uh, you know, it was just like the, the perfect age. And I became obsessed and just like was able to follow this, this passion and this dream to like the evolution of like, okay, now suddenly I've, hit a million jumps and done all these tricks and kind of like plateaued in that regard. And then luckily having the mentors, the friends 10 years older than me that were like, here, Hey kid, here's the backcountry. Let's go. We're going to go buy you some trekkers and skins and shovel. If you can probe and start touring out there, or, or we're going to drive to Revelstoke and tow you up behind our snowmobile and you're going to ski powder. That's up to your eyebrows and like just kind of the evolution of it all. And then really getting into that, that side of it, the big mountain skiing with some freestyle kind of hybrid stuff on the side into like suddenly, Hey, well, we're out here and this is awesome, but we're just stuck going downhill and, and <laughs> ski, t- ski touring is like, we've done it. And why is the equipment not there? And hmm. how can we find, how can we make this work? Because it is such a good way to access these pillow lines. And it's just kind of evolved like from, through my whole life, the lifetime skier and like the, who knows what the next, (laughs) the next generation or the next chapter will be for me. But I really am, uh, excited about this, you know, this chapter of, of product development Mm -hmm. and getting into that. And that was all started with my involvement and opportunities with forefront. And, uh, yeah, just for me having, you know, a new relation, newer relationship. It's like six years old now or seven years old with Dina fit and, you know, touching on some binding stuff and being part of that kind of the first real evolution of a tech binding into more of a free ride, uh, driven product and the ups and downs with that. And now, uh, four years deep into a, a, a ski boot project that hmm. is just around the corner from, from coming, to the light of day. <laughs> um, I'm super excited about that. That's a whole nother probably topic on its own. But, uh, I mean, I think I'm, I'm, I am really excited about the state of the sport and this, the backcountry push. And I think the, the real, the next chapter is, is going to be the information and this, like the learning and the whole experience and how it's shared and, uh, I have a friend, a Canadian guide here who, uh, Marty Schaefer, he runs Kapow and he's been like from day one, like his whole kind of business, uh, thesis is like educational guiding. And mm-hmm. I think that's where the industry, like everyone kind of jumped on this backcountry. It's cool and exciting. And I think like there needs to be more of a back end where, you're not just trying to sell all these people equipment that get them out into the mountains. You have to actually part of the industry is really how do you inspire people to learn and, and teach them how to learn and teach them how to start gaining their own experience level and like, and promote that as like a big part of the sport. Because for me, that is really, that's why I'm still skiing. Why I, I really enjoy backcountry skiing and ski touring because 
I mean, I've skied all these runs. I've, I've been on the lifts for 33 years. Like I, hmm. I still go there and train and have fun and have amazing days on the ski hill, but it doesn't have that same like intimate experience and like fulfillment as going out with some friends and, you know, working together and traveling through the mountains and finding the treasures that they hold. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that's where I think, I hope the, the, the industry like starts focusing and it, it's starting, it's, it's coming. It's, but I, I, I'm excited to see that evolution and with, you know, our modern day of information, accessibility, information, sharing, connectivity, all these things. It's like the, the network is there. It just, it just is the perception of the industry that has to like really put that as a focus point moving forward. Mm-hmm. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh man, I'm going to drag, I'm going to drag you back into kind of a, a drum. I bang a lot. Um, but as you're talking about, you know, this kind of evolution of backcountry skiing, backcountry equipment, um, weight is something that I talk about a lot and I'm curious, both in terms of skis and boots, where you kind of come in on this, because you're, you're in this, what, like, I often think that, especially for inbounds equipment, we're starting to see more and more marketing and more and more skis going like lighter and lighter for inbounds stuff. And I'm kind of like, if we're lazily riding chairs, why the hell do we care about like going really light on stuff like mass can really help in terms of providing suspension in a ski, right. And skiing hard and fast. Um, I guess I'm curious because you, you are in an interesting position of being both a powerful skier, but I think also an incredibly balanced skier, um, uh, like a very finesse skier. So it's kind of both. So you would strike me as somebody who'd be like, yeah, go as light as possible. I don't need the ski or I don't need the boot to be providing the stability. Like I'm a good enough athlete where I can bring that to the table. But I guess I'm interested in asking if that's in fact how you look at this stuff. Like, are you somebody who's constantly like, can we make this lighter? (laughs) Or are you somebody who... No. (laughs) Yeah, no, you're... you're, uh, I like this question a lot because I actually do really uh, agree with with your perspective, like I don't see an advantage to lightweight equipment that's not meant for uphill travel. Mm-hmm. I mean, to a certain extent, there's a balance. Like, yeah. and I, I found with my own personal ski design, like when you get to a certain length and width and you're asking a certain style of performance out of, out of that equipment and, and you make it, you know, 300 grams lighter than, what it should be, it's really going to negatively affect your ability to utilize that product in the way it was meant to be used. Um, And I've seen that a lot with some of the modern skis. Um, And that's why even, you know, the Raven, it's, it's not for its class. It's not a super lightweight ski. It's, it's a light enough ski, but it still has enough mass and wood and body there that gives you the confidence to, to ski downhill with the speed and the style that you're looking for. 
or that I'm looking for anyway. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think that there's a huge advantage to making, let's say inbounds gear super light. Like there is, you can lighten it up. You can make it more comfortable, you know, to carry around and, and more nimble swing weights and things of this nature. But if you, if you start reducing it down and making it ultra light, it's just going to ping off every hard piece of snow you put in front of it. Yeah. And it's, I mean, skiing, like I look at this as like, uh, skiing and, and mountain biking are, are kind of in a similar evolution, you know, um, like the, the, the free ride bike. I don't even know what mountain bikes are called these days, but like <laughs> we have mountain bikes now that are carbon and they have the travel and they pedal and you can, and that's like what I look for in, in the ski equipment is like, I want this kind of hybrid thing that allows me to get to where I want to go without being stuck on a lift or mechanized skiing, yeah. but then shred down at the, with the confidence and the comfort and ability that I, that I love. Um, and that being said, there's the bike park right outside my, my door here. And those guys, you know, they're not gonna, they, yeah, they've made downhill bikes a little bit lighter and there's some high end carbon ones and stuff, but they're not, they're not trying to strip off all the weight because the weight, that mass moment of inertia is actually what provides you the power to go through things and over things and the dampening properties that it brings to the equipment are, are crucial for that, that side of the sport. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, it's going to be interesting. I don't know. Um, and, and, you know, look, I, I, I think it's a totally legitimate answer if, if you in particular, or if, um, some other, uh, skier, accomplished skier was like, no, I am constantly trying to squeeze out as much excess weight as possible. Um, I mean, it's a different thing, you know, for, for ski mountaineers or someone doing huge, big tours, I think I'd get that. Um, I just think that we still are sort of overselling that to like regular skiers, like the, the kind of more typical skiing public. Um, and I, I still just sort of don't get it because I do think that ultimately you lighten up stuff too much you're going to make equipment that is going to make skiing downhill less fun. Yeah. And, no, I, and I, I agree com completely. And I think it's just a, a result of a trend, you know, like that's mm -hmm. skiing's latest trend of this backcountry, and it's, you know, helping save the sport once again mm -hmm. and everyone tries to jump in on it and they might not understand it, but they're just trying to like push, the 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 new thing mm -hmm. and that can have like like you're talking about it'll have negative effects on equipment that isn't necessarily it's not backcountry equipment it doesn't need yeah it doesn't you don't want it to weigh 50 pounds and break your arm trying to carry it across the parking lot but yeah. it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to weigh a thousand grams or whatever i love the metrics yeah yeah, stand. <laughs> yeah it's so funny but uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I think it's a negative result of a trend that yeah. we're in right now, and it doesn't necessarily translate to better performing downhill ski equipment. Yeah, you know, I asked you what you're seeing in skiing these days that is interesting or exciting to you, um, and you know, without manufacturing an answer to this one, you know, we'll ask the flip. You know, 
is there something you are seeing that you are particularly concerned about? And if the answer is like, not really, then like, that's fine. But I wanted to at least give you that opportunity to, you know, to weigh in on that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the thing right now that I'm most concerned about is just the, the state of the industry as far as like the economics and, and big companies buying smaller companies and stripping them down and making them, you know, squeezing, squeezing the juice out of them and, and cutting, trimming the fat. And like, there's just so many examples in my mind of, of great companies that get acquired and, you know, over a series of years, everyone who was involved from the beginning has been eliminated because they're either not useful enough or they get frustrated with being told, no, you can't explore this possibility. You can't buy this material. You can't, you know, it's not in the budget. And and suddenly these brands that were kind of core brands as far as development and progressing technology and equipment are whittled down to like being less progressive because they're being managed by a big company that's just trying to see bigger numbers come out the end. So, and that's just a very blanket statement. It's Mm -hmm. not true everywhere, but that's kind of my big fear and I don't like it. (laughs) And I see many examples and, um, but as far as like trends go, I, I think there's nothing completely negative in in any of the current trends. I mean, people are kind of backing up. The bigger brands are, are backing away from the free riding a little bit from my experience just because they just, they try really hard and it costs a lot of money. And at the end, they don't sell enough skis and so on. So that's kind of interesting. But, um, you know, and what I was talking about before is like this information and like the the safety side of it and the experience and the education. Like, I really am hopeful that that becomes like another focus within the industry, within marketing, within, you know, you can't just suddenly say, oh, ski touring and backcountry skiing is super cool. Buy all of these thousand dollar skis, carbon skis and boots and bindings and go do it. And, and that's the end of it. We sold our gear and, yeah. and now, you know, like. There has to be a bit of a back end, but totally. Um, I don't. I, I'm maybe I'm not paying attention enough. I don't see any like terrible, terrible trends. Yeah. But yeah, I think it, it comes back to like skiing is fun. Skiing is uh, an activity. It gets people into the mountains. It gives them the freedom to travel. It, it's it's an interesting thing, but it doesn't have to be super dangerous, and it doesn't always have to be about pushing the limits to the max and and so on. Like, I think that side of skiing always, that needs to be expressed and maintained as like the heart of skiing is not doing the the craziest thing all the time. Like, and maybe that's just me getting old and soft. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if, if, if that's true, you're in good company because Sage said very much the same thing, um, that he just thinks the like, going bigger and bigger every single year and just dialing up the NAR, um, you know, it can only, it can only end up in one place. Right. And, um, so yet another reason why you might want to, you might yeah. want to check out that conversation. Cause he's, he's exactly on the same wavelength as you. Um, yeah. Well, we've, 
I mean, I, I would say we're two guys who have lived a very similar life with almost zero interaction, hmm. which is funny because it's such a small community, yeah. but like just the nature of sponsorships and production companies and stuff. Yeah. But like, yeah, I believe we're pretty much the same age and we've done the, we've had the same fortunate life to, to do this and pursue a pro- professional ski athlete hmm. lifestyle and career. And so it's fine. You know, I would, it would be interesting to sit down and chat to him, but I, I, I'm not at all surprised that we wouldn't uh, share a lot of the same kind of uh, sentimental feelings on, on what's happening and what's going on. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, there's another, just another tangent on that. Like a funny little story is uh, this year we were on a, a, a touring trip back to Golden Alpine holidays, you know, hanging out, what are we doing? And we ended up our crew, uh, Rubens, Abma, myself, and Marcus Etter. Um, we watched uh, the the latest TGR uh, Tight Loose, hmm. and it I mean, an incredible movie. And the level of skiing, like we all watched it, and we're just like, holy, like <laughs> these guys, like, oh my god, what the, <laughs> like, so impressive. And then we all had like midlife crises in our, in our sleep. We're like, is this what we have to do now? Like, <laughs> like it's just the level is so high and, hmm. and the, uh, the amount of risk and just the pushing it to the max and like big respect. Like uh, those guys killed it. They phenomenal skiing and, and footage and all that, but they were definitely, it felt like, yeah, it was like looking in a mirror, but not really like, Oh man, is that what, is that what we're doing? Yeah. <laughs> Is that what we're doing here? <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone, we just kind of quietly had finished our beer, went to bed, and we all came down in the morning, like, pretty quiet. Like, well, man, I had like a midlife crisis last night my, just in my nightmares. What about you guys? And they're like, yep. <laughs> it's really quite fun. That's that's pretty funny. The The next question here, given that you did bring up kind of the acquisition stuff, obviously Forefront um, just uh, entered into a new situation with Jason Leventhal. Um, and I certainly was curious, I mean, what kind of impact that might have on you, if you cared, if you had strong opinions about that, um, or if maybe some of the things you said earlier in this conversation were related to that you know uh i mean i think that's a completely different uh direction like i i was fortunate enough i was just uh down in salt lake city uh three weeks ago Mm. and kind of got to hang out with jason for a few days and we did some really uh we did a lot of interviews sitting in the white room in front of the press and the tool wall that I'd built and like mm-hmm. just reflecting on, on the whole story and all the years and what we've done. And like, he was genuinely interested and impressed with like the, the effort and the commitment and the passion. And I mean, he, what an individual, like he has, he's probably the best guy in the industry to have, you know, behind you with his experience and what he's done and, a true like innovator with line is like actually probably one of the first real upstart brands at the turn of, you know, the skiing chapter of, of this modern time of skiing. Um, and I'm really, I'm looking forward to, you know, getting to know him and getting to hang out and working with him. And 
I'm optimistic that he, you know, I, I feel his intentions and, and his involvement are very true to what Forefront has always been. And I really, I hope that it, it uh, I hope that it, I think he could be like the, the ace in the sleeve for the company to finally truly find its way and like become a, a, a profitable functioning successful company in its own respect and I do I like his you know his strategy of like you need to live within your your bracket like yeah. forefront had, had been living trying to live like Armada and Armada had tried has been trying to live like Solomon that's like what he told me and I, I was like this like this makes so much sense and going all the way back to the the beginning of the creation of the white room and my involvement like I remember having you know kind of conversations with Matt Sturbins just like hey this is like crazy we're putting all this effort and energy and like making these like specialty hand-built skis and then they're just getting peppered out to all these retailers and you guys are making nothing off of them for the amount of effort and money and budget and like everything that's gone into it. Like I always kind of felt in a way that those, those really those handcrafted specialty skis should be basically direct sales for the company to, to regain the amount of, cause it, it's not an efficient and cost effective way to build skis, but yeah. you're creating something unique and something progressive and, and there's a true story and a feeling about these skis that's really the heart of the brand um so yeah it kind of makes you know like fast forward 10 years and uh the maybe the the internet and the way the world works has kind of caught up or progressed beyond what i ever thought and like maybe this is the way that it actually can work for them um because that's been you know matt has put his whole life into making forefront and like you i honestly can't say there's a person i know in the world that has worked as hard and has been devoted as devoted as matt has to to just making that company keeping it alive keeping giving us a job like creating opportunities and like i'm truly grateful and i i at the end of the day i just want to see it be successful and and survive obviously because i do feel the brand is an important brand in the industry and it does have its place. Hmm. Hmm. Um, but yeah, the future is a bit, you know, like what there are going to be some changes and I've been with Jason and Matt, like I'm a hundred percent, like I'll, I'll do everything I can in my powers. And like, I think for me personally, there's some good opportunities because Jason is going to really help, uh, I think get the brand out there and my own personal brand that's associated with it, the Hoji. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a dinosaur. I've been, I've fallen into this, like I film every year and I do this and that and I Instagram once a month and I'm just like <laughs> in this like grandfathered in state, but I haven't, <laughs> I haven't put the time and effort into actually like, how do I move into this next chapter? And I think, his involvement and his strategy will will actually be very beneficial and like I can learn and work with him and uh together hopefully that that will continue to grow as a really strong relationship what what are you kind of thinking about for the next five to ten or or are you like 
not thinking about the next five to 10 right now, you know, got enough going on right now. No, I mean, I, I've come to realize like through, through my time doing this, (laughs) I mean, it's really all about positioning and making things happen and taking, you know, taking chances on what you believe in or what you're interested in, not necessarily like signing up to get instant financial gain or anything like that. Like it's all, you kind of find your own path and your own way. And hopefully you've, you've found something that you're good at and that you're happy doing and you really excel at. And like, that's right now with product development for myself, I'm, I'm super interested in that. I've spent a lot of time just kind of setting up my own little micro, uh, prototyping lab facility thing it's kind of a renegade little workshop but Hmm. i'm 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 super interested in expanding my abilities to build things so i i need to actually put some time and effort into learning you know more cad skill cam skill machining machine operation all these kind of things because i love building i love building stuff i love finding a problem, something I'm really interested in, something that really bugs me because it's inefficient and there has to be a, a better way um, because I'm not satisfied with the status quo. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping that uh, over the next years I'll, I'll keep, you know, I'll put some time in, maybe I have to go to school or take some classes or just self-learning on online these days is incredible and, or maybe get a job. There's a North Shore billet is a, produces bike components just down the way in, in Whistler here and could be something to just actually go and work as a machine apprentice and, and, and get some, gain some real experience because I do think, I feel like there's a lot of improvement, especially now with uh, the boot binding interface yeah. and being able to have the ability to draw things and build them and build machine uh, functional prototypes is something that I am very interested in um, and see a future, you know, I want that to be part of my life. So there's a lot more to talk about with that, of course, too. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, I've been very fortunate through, you know, this career as a professional skier. I used to, for 10, 15 years, I had to work construction, breaking rocks as a stonemason to, uh, supplement my skiing career and finally you know through good luck and and success i'm at the point where in the summers uh, you know the past few summers i'm pretty uh free to do what i want to do um and that's that's kind of where i put a lot of my time and energy into and i just feel like i'm at the beginning like i i'm not at a point where i'm like punching up drawing something punching it in writing the CAD program, taking it down to my shop and milling it. But that's, that's the light at the end of the tunnel for me. Yeah. What, um, so when you do, you talked about when you do have this free time, what are you, what's most preoccupying that free time? Um, you've mentioned mountain bikes. Um, you and I, before we started recording, we were talking about climbing a little bit. What what are you most kind of passionate about and into these days outside of skiing? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, definitely mountain biking has has I've really fallen in love with it over the past uh, three years. 
I was pretty late to the game. Like I had mountain bikes before and kind of rode a little bit and tried the bike park thing and, you know, bash myself and said, that's enough of that. And I think it's really been the evolution of the sport of mountain biking, like the equipment combined with the trails in this area, we're super fortunate. Like I can just get on my bike and, and ride until my heart's content for three hours and have an amazing experience, climb up and over a mountain and have an amazing descent. Like it really parallels my interest and style of mountain biking really parallels ski touring as far as like, Hmm. I, I appreciate the fitness component and just like staying strong and then kind of like riding, just having fun on, on these more flowy descents I don't need to be gripped and like full, full <laughs> on the brakes just surviving because my skills set as a mountain biker I'm a very I'm not a beginner in any way but I'm like compared to the level of mountain bikers in this town it's like I'm a I'm a blue square mountain biker and I'm very happy with that I got nothing to prove and <laughs> I just want to have fun and and continue to ride without without hurting myself <laughs> yeah but uh yeah that's been uh the last few years, really lots of great trail development. And I, I got a new, a secondhand bike. Uh, it's just perfect for what I like. And um, definitely been fortunate to to get to ride quite a bit throughout the summer. And yeah, like the dabbled with climbing, like I climbed a little bit in my younger years. And it's always been like, a, I've been interested and I live so close to some amazing climbing down in in the Squamish area. Um, and now I I have a few friends that are, have really gotten into it. So this summer has been good. I've actually gotten out a few times. I, I don't own any gear yet. That's, that's one of the, the hurdles, I guess I'll have to commit one of these days, but, uh, it's such a fun activity and it's fun to be like, again, be at a very novice level and just really going with, you know, be fortunate to go with, with people that are, are very proficient and and just their technique and there's the way they can move and how, you know, placing gear, all these, there's just so much to learn. It's such an involved activity and, and a nice activity where you're not unlike mountain biking, which shares the abuse on the body and the repetitive strain, you know, with skiing and ski touring climbing is a much more just the pace of it all. And it's like, really honing your skills and like precision and power and and balance like it it's uh there's a lot to be said about switching gears and not always having to grind it out and and go 100 miles an hour and still have a lot of fun and challenge yourself to the max (laughs) yeah yeah for sure for sure um okay i think i've just made the official decision that this we're just going to break this into two different there's going to be part one and part two because <laughs> we've okay. we've gone two hours and 20 minutes so far and i really want to ask you about the boot stuff i mean the question is basically <clears throat> you know what other stuff is kind of at the what other products beyond skis are sort of currently at the forefront of your mind in terms of tinkering and product development um, and so that might be boots, that might be bindings, that might be outerwear, but I have to ask. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think I'm happy to keep it rolling and okay. I'm really enjoying this uh, hmm. conversation and I appreciate you having the time. And like I said, I don't, I don't have any, uh, 
pressing commitments right now. So um, I'm happy to continue. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, certainly the boot, the boot topic is uh, one that's very close to my heart and I've dedicated, I guess, almost four years of thousands of hours of work into this uh, development in this project. And it's been an amazing um, learning experience and just understanding everything from technical analysis and design to emotional problems and politics and business. And <laughs> I, I feel like I could write a book about that on huh. its own, but uh, at the end of the day, it's the journey has been fantastic and it hasn't been a Cinderella story by any means. There's been a lot to overcome and difficulties and delays and on and on and on, but that's true to any uh, project that is, you know, going in, in a, in a new direction and, and trying to, to take something that's so accepted and uh, has been built in some way for so long and, and really like dissecting it and, and starting up with, with a different uh, design intent. And that's kind of been the baseline of this story. And the main thing for me, for my life that has been phenomenal is this whole project has given me the opportunity to become very good friends with uh, Fritz Bartel. Hmm. Fritz Bartel, who is the godfather, the 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 man behind tech bindings. He's hmm. he's a true genius and just a wonderful uh, human and a diehard skier, and has become like this mentor figure in my life, and has really just taken me in and. Uh, we've had so much fun working together and he's, he's a teacher, you know, he just loves, he loves showing me <laughs> things and explaining things. And I, I think he feeds off of my enthusiasm and drive and passion. And just like, he loves this like fresh, you know, like a skier who just wants more and, and is not satisfied and, and, and just that drive, like, Together we've we've just really had a, a fantastic time and and we've done so much work. It's <laughs> actually incredible. But at the end of the day, I think it's it's going to show in the result uh, with the product that comes out of it. Um, and I really need to get them over to Canada to to come skiing with me because I so far I've I've just gone to his home in Austria and lived there for months on end and hmm. worked in his basement workshop, which for me is like the coolest place on the planet. Like he's got <laughs> all these amazing ancient Austrian and German and Swiss built machines, milling machines and lathes and presses and, you know, anything you could think of. And that's like, literally he's got all the components from his first prototypes to his first production to the productions for 20 years, like just in shelves and boxes. And like, you can just go around like, it's like the ultimate Lego store for a guy who likes tinkering with things like just looking through boxes constantly like, Oh, look at this. What's this? Oh, I remember this. So what, tell me the story behind this. And like <laughs> spent uh, countless, countless hours down there just exploring and learning and, and working together. And yeah. Um, I can't get into like the specifics of the design with the boot, but mm -hmm. uh, of course, cause it's, 
but it's it's coming like it's going to be this season they're going to have uh samples in a variety of sizes for for testing and it's going to be debuted to the market and and the following season it will be for sales so i'm really hoping that uh we've we've done everything as best we can and and you know with anything that's new technology and design there's always going to be some unforeseen user interface or some little detail but luckily thankfully fritz you know with his 30 years of experience developing technical product and just like a very precise approach with combined with like that european like you know like they're they it's hard for them to make big changes they they like they like to follow the history of what works so he's kind of this hybrid personality and uh yeah it's just been a blast <laughs> wow one of my favorite quotes from him is a ski boot is a little machine a, yeah. a ski touring boot is a little machine like a binding where it needs moving parts it needs bushings it needs it needs to be mechanically engineered where the the contrast to that is the ski boot world designs things through design they design it for aesthetics and look and the the mechanisms and how everything works is an afterthought and it's more about the sculpting the italian like the last and and that has its its value and its place as well but when you start making something that needs to be incredibly uh mobile and free to move and then incredibly connected and solid that structure and that's engineering and that's been a big oversight through all these companies like no one is no one is looking at it that way in my opinion from yeah. what i've seen in my experience and from the the product on that's available today so hmm. that i am hoping is i think what the project that we've been working on is going to be like this turning point the way it came to be and the way it functions resulting from skiers who really want something better it's parallels the touring binding that fritz made all those years ago or the forefront skis like we're not satisfied with how you guys have been doing it all this time and there's a better way hmm. <laughs> and that's that's the uh, bottom line but the at the end of the day this boot design like i've been skiing in the prototypes that i've built with fritz for three seasons all the footage of matchstick is in these boots and I've broke them and I've had all this and I've gone back to Europe and rebuilt them. And like, we've polished this design to the point where hopefully there aren't any unforeseen. It's truly the first time in ski boot history. Fritz says it's the first time that a new design has actually been tested for multiple years on snow at a high level wow. in the history of ski boots. Wow. And that's a statement that I agree with hmm. from what I've seen moral of the story is like the importance of the importance of innovation through the actual activity the user interface of the activity is what should be driving innovation and from my perspective as a user i can a very experienced user and been involved in product development i can see through these false innovations pretty quickly because I just think about how it's going to affect what I'm doing out there. 
I'm, I'm really hopeful it does well. And this is exactly just the beginning of a great opportunity in the next chapter of like what can be done with ski boot design. Hmm. Hmm. It's exciting. <laughs> that is exciting. Um, <clears throat> I should let you go. Um, okay. yeah, I mean, this, this might have been the longest podcast conversation we've ever had. So congrats. Uh, I don't know if that's a good thing. (laughs) Well, Eric, I very much appreciate the time and this has been, um, fun to, um, both hear a bit about your skiing life and to hear, uh, quite a bit about the, uh, ski engineering, um, and ski product life too. So I appreciate you, uh, going down both of those paths with us on this, um, been fun. Oh yeah. Uh, thank you, Jonathan. It's been a real pleasure and, uh, yeah, I'm always, I'm happy to talk about it. Uh, thank you for asking, uh, very good questions and keeping me on my toes and making me remember certain things and, and think about, uh, the future here. Thank you. Well, cool. Well, you take care. We'll talk soon. All right. All right. That's it for this edition of the Blister Podcast. Thanks to Eric Hjorlifsen for the conversation. And thanks to our strikingly handsome audio engineer, Justin Bob. Till next time, don't forget to become a Blister member to ensure that you'll get your copy of our 1718 Winter Buyer's Guide. Plus, you'll get access to all of the flash reviews and deep dive comparison articles we publish on Blister. Plus, you'll get access to all of those exclusive deals we set up for Blister members. That's it for now, and we will talk to you again next week.